Okay, folks, hello. Welcome to the latest Meg podcast, and we're almost certainly the last Meg podcast of 2021. Um, this episode, we're going to cover a, a number of things, a multifaceted episode, time allowing, that is. We won't make, drag it on too long and insist you all listen to hours and hours and hours of us rabbiting on. The intention is to cover the recent Ribble Rubble, <coughs> excuse me, Ribble Rumble competition held up in Stockport. Uh, we would like to look at the 2022 changes to the army lists um, and a bit of reflection on how Meg competitions have gone in 2021 and uh, look forward to what's going to happen in 2022, which hopefully will be somewhat less curtailed than this year has been. So the, the regulars of myself, Matt and Richard are joined by, again, two guests like last time. And so welcome, please, to Graham Wilmot of Bunshot fame and also Hi, to... <laughs> Hi, Graham. And also to the one and only James Hammy Hamilton, um, who most of us have known for donkey's years. And, and he, has, he has already promised me that he has at least one dice anecdote to tell us oh, yeah. about. You know, no, no, no Wargaby podcast would be complete and especially one with Hammy without a dice anecdote. Um, in terms of the rubble, rumble, I keep calling it a rubble, ribble rumble. Ugh. I've only had one beer today. Um, we'll, the list will be on the blog as usual, but I don't think there'll be vast amounts onto the, on the blog, but we'll put the link up as normal. So I think without further ado, we'll move on to we'll go start off with the, the ribble section. And I'm wondering if perhaps I can persuade Graham to kick us off. Uh, throw the new boy in at the deep end, you know. Splosh. Right. To uh, my first game, and I think Hammy can help me out here, was against Hammy. It was. Uh, and his Almoravids, uh, particularly the Meerkats. So he had a couple of units of superior spear who were a bit of a challenge for my force. I should say my force was James the Fourth Scots, which I bought off Sid a while ago. Um, and thought I ought to use as James the Fourth Scots rather than feudal ones before they got nerfed. I had nine tugs of eight pike, their combat shite pike, and with the super duper front fully armoured shield cover front rank. A couple of um, units of hobbylars who are uh, charge only crossbow and short spear, a unit of devastating charge, loose order infantry, and six longbow. Against Hammy, his meerkats were, who were exceptional, the Black Guard were a lot to handle and so with superior spear i tried mobbing them with uh, lots of units of pike and other things but somehow it never quite came off uh, never really got close to um, getting them down to half strength and what ended up happening was two or three of my units exploded against his um and i went down 415 in the end if i remember hammy you probably remember more of the details because it was a frankly, bit unpleasant um, yeah. You ended up on a table with no terrain, which was limited in help to you. Um, I think I outscouted you. Yes. And um, I uh, deployed my knights and my flexible cavalry on the on, on one flank, and you had nothing facing them. So they went scooting yeah. around your rear. You advanced the longbow unit a bit too far, in my opinion. And then, had, right. to, then had to cover with the two units of... Um, border horse against one unit of superior knights and um, they lost while yes. flexible cavalry were busy visiting the camp and picking various bits of haggis or whatever they get out of the camp probably more cheese because you you gave some lovely cheese away um <laughs> uh, so yeah you simultaneously lost two units of cavalry and the camp 
think actually you lost them on the back of committing the general uh, to a file and then the general died and then everybody got upset and yeah the back of your army fell apart the front of your army was struggling to get through the uh, the better troops in my army and um then yeah it all went bit, it all went to pot unfortunately yeah that's why i think 12 4 or thereabouts uh, 15 4 or thereabouts yeah yes it was yes that's right exactly uh the second game was a bit more pleasant for me um it was against rob's vijay vijay i thought i was going to say that Vijay Vijay there you go. That's Indians. my guess anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure plenty of Indians will now tell me it's nothing like that at all. I'm sure they will. Um, I mean, his infantry weren't much of a match for my pike because they were, I think, either melee expert or they were just bow armed. <clears throat> his elephants were, of course, a good deal better than my pike, but he hadn't got enough of them, so I could just mob them and try and kill them with white dice, which is what I did. And there wasn't really room for his cavalry to come and play. So I just ground his army down frontally until it um, until it disappeared. I was checking the score on the results. It's recorded as 15-2, but I think it was actually something like 15-4. Um, <laughs> anyway, it wasn't a good matchup for him. He never really had much of a much of a chance. Um, after that, I got Steve Stead and his Sengoku Japanese on the Sunday morning, uh, and that was a really interesting game. Um, there was masses of terrain that went down, which is which is never a good thing for my force. <laughs> Pike's not so happy with that. Um, and he pushed forward with all of his, half of his infantry on his right into rough terrain, half of his infantry left centre into rough terrain, and two units of mounted samurai in the centre, quite close to one of the bits of rough terrain, being quite pushy against my pike. And I thought, well, I'll have these. Push with my pike through the middle, uh, chasing his cavalry and heading towards his camp. And somehow I never quite got there. Whilst his infantry just kept edging forward and edging forward through the rough terrain and, and you know turning over here and turning a bit there until my flanks fell to pieces. Uh, it timed out 2-8 to, to Steve, but he clearly had the upper hand. I, I might have got his camp, I might have got one of the units of cavalry, but no, it was it was Steve's game. So that, I went down 2-8 in that one. Uh, and finally, um, the last recipient of the, um, the gift pieces of Lanarkshire blue cheese was um, Richard Balashevsky. Um, he had French ordnance, and uh, he'd had the misfortune to play John Monroe uh, in a previous game, and so he was convinced that he couldn't possibly beat a James the Fourth Pike army. And we all know that sort of thing is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, he got French ordnance, which you know it's not a bad matchup, really. Uh, not great, but not terrible with the men at arms and the pike and yada yada. And he had a great big lump of rough going on his baseline in the centre and a fair-sized bit on his right flank. So he put three units of bow and some men-at-arms in the centrepiece. Most of his army on his right centre and right flank, it's a secure flank, obviously, uh, in the gap with you know, pike and men-at-arms and kitchen sink and knight and heaven knows what. And a unit of poor crossbow, sorry, longbow, on his right in the rough going. So I thought, I'd have slightly outscouted him. When I saw it go down, I thought, well, I'll have those. Pushed up with... Um, the devastating charges, the gentry and Kai then, and a unit of average longbow. And sure enough, he says, moving the cat again. They did manage to take the single, oh, look, it's back, the single unit of um, of poor longbow. Uh, he saw what was happening, that I was going to roll off his line and started to push forward. And one unit of his longbow was particularly impressive. It charged a unit of my pike, um, 
desperation or whatever, I don't know. My pipe thought, oh, we'll have these. Did, did they help? After two, after a charge and two rounds of melee, I've lost two bases of three bases of pipe and my longbows were intact. Come on, you bastard. Love you. Love you. Uh, unfortunately for them, the gentry and Kaiser had turned around and just played a blinder. Having destroyed the longbow, turned around, charged into the flank of the knights, broke them at impact, charged into the flank of the Swiss halberds, broke them at impact, hit the side of the a Swiss pipe block, thought, tell you what, we'll take a break here. We'll just have them in the melee round. Had them in the melee round. <laughs> Charged into, charged into, or pursued into the flank of, um, I think, another pie block, broke that impact, pursued that into the flank in the chilling the charge phase of a unit of men at arms and broke them. And then turned round to face the, front of the rest of my army saying, Where were you bastards then? We won the game. <laughs> <laughs> because that was Richard's army. <laughs> Admittedly, the guys had a little bit of help because most of the units being hit were engaged frontally. But they weren't doing too badly frontally until this uh, Kyburn um, juggernaut hit them. It was quite stunning. So, so let, let me see. Basically, 600 points of Highlanders. Took out Richard's army. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> a fair reflection. I don't think I don't think Richard would argue with that. <laughs> it is it uh, perhaps worth stressing that they are um, sort of average protected, devastating charges. So yes, with with charge only power bow. So they aren't exactly the um, troops you necessarily expect to achieve such mighty heights but uh, not really <laughs> clearly it gives them the back they're on plus six. <laughs> i'm sure they were probably knackered at the end of that that is mightily impressive yeah <laughs> I, I have to say i've got good if you don't mind i've got one question on your army yeah because because i mean i think these james the fourth army's to some degree, right themselves, don't they? You, you're going to have a very large number of those pike units. But um, did, how did you find those? You had two units of border horse that were both fours. Now, yes. You're saying obviously against against Hammy, they they didn't really work that well. But how did they work in the other games? Because, uh, as I recall, against um, yes, against oh Rob. I think they did okay against his cavalry because he pushed a little bit too hard with a unit of Indian cavalry. And I managed to get the charge only bit to work quite well. Did a bit of damage with the crossbow mm. at the charge and then followed up with a long spear at impact. And if I remember rightly, Rob might correct me, I think that together with a bit, a bit of shooting from another unit broke those cavalry. Um, against um, Richard, they had to face the knights who were coming out to play and that would not have ended well except the Kaidan that was the first unit they hit in the flank <laughs> <laughs> so they just gritted their teeth and um, survived the impact and uh, then the Kaidan came to their rescue against Steve um, they were part of the delaying foursome split between my left and right flanks and uh, it was a nightmare game for them their charge only crossbow didn't work um, whatever they hit at impact was rolling up and they were rolling down and they just both went poof. Oh, right. uh, they're not really there to, you know, to win things. They're there to slow people down um, and occasionally do in desperation what they did against Hammy, which doesn't end well. <laughs> 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 Listen, Hammy is shaking his head. <laughs> yes. 
sort of shaking his head in agreement, if we see what I mean. <laughs> it didn't end well. So, so, uh, where did you finish in the end, Graham? I think I finished about 11th out of 22, something like that, yeah. just about well, halfway, yeah. Yeah, about <laughs> mid-table. So, yeah. Would yeah. You... it wasn't glorious. Yeah, but did, did you like using the army overall? Yeah, I did. I mean, I'm still getting to grips with Meg. I started in May, as you know, so I'm... Um... It's a good army to 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 to, um, to build up your experience with. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. Possibly, it's the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> um, but I, I would like to get onto more combined arms forces as I get more experience, and ultimately aspire to the heights of duty cavalry. But I think I'm a long way off being any good at that. Uh, what well, I, I, I remember earlier this year, bigging you up after playing you at Battlefield Hobbies. Oh I, yeah. I, I thought I thought you had the makings of a, a shooty cavalry general. <laughs> Well, I might be might be giving Hittites a run out soon. We'll see. I might try them at Ice and Fire. I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'll have a few practice games against Paul, which is always a sobering experience, and uh, see how I do. Great stuff. Can I ask, um, Graham? You you made reference to the uh, army list change that's coming up for 2022, mm. which will be that the if using the Pavis as the extra shield cover the you won't be able to prompt through the fire for that one base width slow um so that if you're using that shield cover you will be restricted to a maximum of two base widths um yeah. do, do you think that really is going to significantly hinder the scots army mm, don't i don't think you will no um I mean, I, I like the change, and thanks for the 20 quid bung you sent me earlier. It's a really, it's a really clever solution. Um, and I, it, it feels right. I mean, if you're using that great big heavy shield, then it will just slow you down a bit. So I think it feels right. Is it going to be a big handicap? No, it isn't, I don't think. I think there's plenty of ways to get around it. Um, it might cost you a turn at worst, but I don't think it's a big deal. The much bigger change is going to 12 strong pike blocks but I, do you want to cover that now nick or what, what yeah you, sure no it's, it's come yeah. up yeah we can we'll go on yeah there i think um okay you'll have fewer units so you'll have slightly better command and control you'll either be able to dance a bit more or you'll save on general costs i suppose um but looking at some of john monroe's games and he, he obviously uses this army very well you see a, a starburst effect of the uh, the units going in all directions and having more units um you can do that because you're not showing so many flanks if you've only got what is it two-thirds as many units you're going to show more flanks you have to be a bit more cautious i think it could be quite a handicap for the um for the army so it'll be interesting to see how that works out i was going to say did richard do you just want to explain to the listeners why this 12 base instead of eight base change was made uh, okay so I, it was really um, partly in response to the starburst effect, because it was never the intention to uh, allow the James IV Scottish to do that. It was also that pretty much all the other contemporary armies in the Italian Wars period use uh, pikes in 12. So it was felt to be more representative in within the period, which was year after. And, and after all, I think the, the, the record is that the, the the Scots were trained by French supply drill masters, basically, weren't they? So they would be using continental tactics, which were the very big um, pike blocks. 
Yes, I, I believe James the Fourth imported Italian armourers and uh, French French commanders to train up his his force. Um, it's it was unfortunate. It met an end to sort of trying to um, advance down a marshy steep hill, uh, <laughs> which is probably the best description of the terrain at Flodden, which was never going to end well, really for pike units i recommend you don't try it in, <laughs> in meg um, well, yeah in, in terms of graham's army it probably reduces eight pike units down to five you could pros possibly tweak the army for six but um uh it it's so uh, you're losing uh sort of three units in terms of the same number of pike i guess yeah paul stavell's been trying to persuade me to take some or units in future. Um, I'm deeply unconvinced, but usually when Paul says something, he's got some good idea behind it. So maybe I'll try it at some stage. An individual unit of eight is is beatable if you get decent troops against it. A unit of twelve is going to take a while to go down. It, it's going to become more an issue of flanks, I suspect. For the... Yeah, I mean, if if you can, what I found what I found fighting Graham was that I was. In a number of places, we, I had a single unit of pike with two with two overlaps against it. So you've got four dice against two frontage, and that actually will work will wear them down relatively quickly as long as your troops are okay. Um, and I was able to get a lot of those fights on green dice because superior long spear or exceptional um, tends to work quite nicely. In that situation, having a wider unit of pike will actually make them better, in my opinion. Just less manoeuvrable, and once you once you take the front rank off a pipe block in that situation, it just disintegrates. Oh, it's, it's, it, I certainly found that when I played Gunmut Skull Rollers. Although I, uh, the way it worked out, I didn't actually take front rank pikemen off till quite late in the game, and he he, he beat me. Um, but when you did, they could collapse really really quickly. But I, th I think you know the twelves will make that last long. It, it'll change the army a bit, won't it? It's uh, yeah. Mm. It's, it, it'll be, I feel a bit harder to get big wins, I suspect. I'm sure we'll, we'll wait and see what happens in the uh, in next year. If anybody if anybody uses them again, if you do or or John or anybody else gives them a run out in their new new format. Okay, um, should we move on to Hammy? Um, since you've already contributed somewhat on your game against Graham. Yeah, can do. Why not? So, so tell us how the, the exceptional meerkats did in the rest of the competition. So I wasn't sure what army to take. I had a conversation with Will. Um, the meerkats are some figures I bought years and years ago and um, finally got them painted this year. Will Will did them. I tarted them up and based them. And um, Will's comment was, must use meerkats. OK, well, fair enough. They are Arab meerkats after all, so they should be in an army. Um, in case I was playing against somebody who was... Uh, particularly um, difficult. I brought along some ordinary Arab spearmen as well, so that I could use proper Arab figures rather than the meerkats. But yeah, the meerkats are simply brilliant. No, no cunning use of simple there. Cunning use of simple. Um, I looked at the, um, I wanted a unit, an army that could have one super good unit of infantry and Almoravid is the one that does that. It gives you the exceptional infantry. I couldn't work out how to get two units of superior long spear. Just the points didn't quite work for me. And um, I ended up with four, I think, 
I had the meerkats, I had the unit superiors, I had four average shield wall short spear infantry, which are not particularly exciting, um, but take a while to kill. Um, unit of crossbowmen, a unit of knights and some flexible cavalry, plus five decent skirmisher units. So I had two, um, two units of Cantabrian light horse, one unit of archers, two units of javelinmen. One was poor because that's just the way the points worked out. Um, objective of the army is to get the good troops, being the superior, the, the meerkats, the superior longspear, and the knights, to fight things that they can kill and kill them. Um, using the other spear kind of as a sit back and encourage the other guy to come for them because they'll beat them. Uh, game one against Graham, the meerkats and the superior spears for his pikes the cavalry got round his flank his army fell to pieces as we've already described um I, I possibly got a bit lucky killing the border horse as quickly as i did if i'd not killed them then there was a flank charge from some longbow into my knights that would have happened um in a lot of ways i was looking at that as well the border horse were going to die anyway and then the knights would be fighting the longbowmen and if they charge me in the flank, it's not that bad because I'm superior and on a horse. Um, yeah, um, that game went completely to plan, which is nice and easy. Game two, uh, this is the dice story. Fighting Ray using Hundred Years War. Um, another medieval. There were a lot of medieval armies that I consider to have a crunchy crust. Um, so obviously you've got the, the James the Fourth Scots with the different front rank and then the hundred years war english where half his longbowmen had front rank melee expert and the rest didn't and he's got the men at arms and he can interpenetrate um apparently only in the movement phase that might be wrong but that's what he told me so that's the way we played it um and basically in that game i set up to get the exceptional meerkats into a couple of units of longbow and a unit of men at arms. He had the men at arms in a single rank behind the longbow. No, in front of the longbow initially, and a unit of billmen to the side of them. And I thought, I'll in throw my knights into the billmen and throw my meerkats into the men at arms or the longbow. Not too worried which way around that went. Protect their flank with some superior spear um, and see how things go. Got my troops into the right place. Ray had conveniently moved his longbowmen through the men-at-arms, so they're now out in front, facing the exceptional meerkats. And I think, yes, this will work. Pile in eight exceptional meerkat bases into two units of longbow, plus the, the knights charged in at a cunning angle and got one base fighting the rear of a fight of longbowmen rather than the billmen. Um, the knights killed the base of longbow, and... The meerkats only lost one one wound from charging into the longbowmen. The men at arms are immediately behind, providing an overlap against my knights. But that's good because when the longbowmen break, they route not in the movement phase. So that's a cab for bursting through the, the men at arms and a cab for the longbowmen breaking. Mm -hmm. Should be good. About three melee rounds later, I finally <laughs> broke both units of longbow. <laughs> Having lost three bases of meerkats doing it. <laughs> this isn't right. 
oh, I don't hear a wave of laughter and no sympathy at all. <laughs> Are you saying it wasn't simple? <laughs> um, yeah, so the meerkat's a, a bit tatty, but it's okay. I've got four yellow cabs on the men-at-arms because two, two lots of things have gone. I've, and I've also got t- two yellow cabs on the billman. I did one wound on the men-at-arms from the four Yay! yellow cabs and nothing to the billman. <laughs> the meerkats pile into the front of the front of the billman anyway at the same time as i get charged in the flank by some combat shy crossbowmen because my superior spears have not been able to kill whatever it was they were fighting which was i think it was probably pike with a double overlap um and um unfortunately the the the, 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 the meerkats died now they'd done a bit of damage along the way and the billmen were nearly half strength um, but the knights also fell down at that point, and both my strike units on that flank are dead. I finally killed the pike that had been slowing on my superior spear. So he's got a few units destroyed, and I think I've got another unit somewhere else. But unfortunately, I've lost most of my good units, and he's had the time to get into the average squishy pike blokes. And um, yeah, it, it I think I also lost the flexible cavalry. In the end, I lost enough units that my army fell over. It's not very big. It's only nine. So it breaks on five down. You don't expect to lose the meerkats and the superior knights in a position. I've, I, I've planned to go and refight that and roll the dice because in my head, that was a, I should have walked all over him combat. And then I didn't. And you can't work out the probabilities in Meg, but I think it's worth, that was one which felt so good to me that, I should just completely smash him. And then I didn't. And that was a bit puzzling. I mean, the Meerkats ended up fighting five wide. So I had five bases in contact with Longbowmen. I relatively quickly killed the one of the melee expert bases. So I'm on, I'm on yellow dice. And I should murder him. And I didn't. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> there isn't a lot more you can say about that, is there? 15-8, I think, something like that. might have been 15-6. I think it was 15-8 or 7. I, I, it was 15-8. I just looked it up. Yeah. Um, disappointing. At the, at the point my troops got into contact with Ray, he was, he was basically saying, oh, I appear to have gone done this spectacularly wrong. And I'm thinking, yes, Ray, you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> then I rolled the skull and he complained that. He, he, I rolled a skull. He complained that I was rolling skulls all the time. I'm thinking I've only rolled one or two, and then just the wheel fell off. It happens. <laughs> it happens. It's hard with the army to. It, it is so vital to make the meerkats work, uh, the, the the blackguard work, because. And often, uh, what I found in the the next game, that the blackguard were fighting six wide, um, which was quite fun, because um, you don't need rear rank. You have short spear. It's great. Um, Anyway, next game, next game, Monday morning, uh, Sunday morning, I ended up fighting Will and his samurai. Um, with a, there was a post on the, on, on the WhatsApp group and people were saying, what are your crossbowmen doing, Char- getting charged by his cavalry? Answer, distracting his cavalry from doing anything very important. Um, basically, another game where I'm trying to get the superior spear and the exceptional infantry into combat as, as fast as I can with as much as I can. Um, the exceptionals ended up hitting two units the superiors hit two units the rest of my army was largely held back um i had an open flank facing two units of rather nasty samurai cavalry um i think he has two foot their fours their superior short spear 
skilled power bow. They're a melee expert. They're, they're proper nasty. And no, nothing on a horse in my army can face them. And the only troops on foot that can face them are the ones I want to be fighting things that aren't them. So I needed to put something in the way of those that would just distract them. Um, my flank was a little bit open, but I was able to push the tribal, my tribal crossbowmen out to the left flank so that if they did come in, I'd be shooting them. And he didn't want that. So he decided that his solution would be to charge and deal with my crossbows. Fine. I don't mind. <laughs> Kill the crossbows. They can die. And they did. Um, one unit of crossbow, uh, the crossbow evaporated. One of his units of cavalry ended up pursuing onto some short spears, which is fine. And the other one ended up facing some short spears at short range, but with skirmishing archers shooting them. So uh, from that point, those two units of cavalry were, I won't say out of the game, but they weren't actually contributing anything important. Meanwhile, in the middle of the battle, um, my decent infantry were, were doing their job. My superior knights had lined up to actually take on the, uh, the skilled powerbow blokes, the proper samurai in his army, with the cunning plan of having a unit of poor foot, poor skirmishing foot in front of them, so that you know, they just soak up all the arrows until you get to the point where you'll get one round before you get in. Will was, a, was quite clever. He swapped over two units. That's not worth it. He was 100% outscouted. Didn't help him. Um, help him very much. He swapped over the two units of troops so that now my knights weren't facing the skilled powerbow blokes. Um, but my other unit of skirmishing javelin were able to absorb the shots. The knights managed to get to a position where they were in range to charge. And I threw them into, into there. Um, at the same time as the Cantabrian light horse were busy shooting average long spear to death. Um, so his army, apart from the cavalry, once they were relatively neutralized, just struggled. Um, the, the unit, he, he had a unit of, of crossbowmen that actually lost to one base of meerkats. Single base of meerkats <laughs> broke the crossbowmen. We had an interesting, an interesting situation where I had a long line of troops and the end base of my unit hit the middle of the crossbowmen. So bizarrely ended up fighting double overlapped, even though it had a friend to its right, which I think is probably wrong. Um, and I think that was an incorrect umpiring decision, but we'll not worry about that too much. I had a contiguous line. Uh, the base on the end of my line was fighting the middle of the crossbow unit. The next base in my line was fighting a spear unit, but the crossbow were at an angle. And as a result, there were bases either side of the crossbow base I was fighting. I did, the, the photo did get shared and there was a bit of discussion and some debate as to how it all worked and different people had different opinions. It was ruled I was double overlapped. Didn't matter. Killed the base the fire was in, killed the general in the unit, the unit ran away. So it was simple. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean yeah. a li aligning always throws up oddities. Um, and you know, having had to rule on it numerous times myself, I have great sympathy with anybody who has to make the decision on some of the more unusual cases. I couldn't align. Um, and I wanted, because my unit was quite wide, I think I was five wide in that one. Um, I ended up stepping forward and, yeah, I had one base on its own fighting in the middle of the unit of, long, of Bowman. Didn't matter, still beat them. So. Um, Perhaps it's morally the right result. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Um, so, yeah, that gave me another 15. Don't think I lost. I think I only lost two units, one or two units in that, probably. 
Um, it was either 15-2 or 15-4, can't remember. Um, and my final game was now on top table, fighting um, Sid with yet another army with a crunchy crust. Frisians, they're weird. Really weird. <laughs> Combat shy, long spear, devastating charges. Yep. <clears throat> with the rear ranks unprotected. <laughs> Very, very weird indeed. Well, one of my better efforts, I believe. <laughs> type, and it's kind of, I'm sure it reflects something quite, it, it, they felt maybe like Catalan companies should almost feel because they're not that vulnerable to cavalry because they've got the long spear, but they're loose so they can play around in terrain. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. Um, I, I went with plan A of insert as many good, many good spearmen and things as I could into um, sit into Sid's army as fast as I could, um, but I had three units, three tugs of the sh the short spears to the left of. I was pushing effectively in the centre, three tugs to the left, just facing these weird mixed up guys because I'd worked out actually I'm kind of even against them ish in melee, and I've got units of eight, and he's got units of eight, and once he starts losing front ranks, I can probably kill him. Um, I had some skirmishes on, I um, think the flexible cavalry were on my left. It, no, it wasn't flexibles. It was the uh, light horse out on the, on the left that managed to sneak round and just lob some javelins, but did very little damage because everybody was too engaged in combat. In the sense, Sid actually did a group withdrawal with, all, with, with a bunch of his stuff, but pushed forward with a single unit of spearmen and this one unit of spearmen hit both my superior spear and my exceptionals in the same at the same time, one base into each file as a delaying action. Basically, he threw it. He threw it forward to stop me getting further forward with my nasty stuff. It worked. It, it held up the, the nasty things for probably two or three turns before it finally finally vaporized. On the other flank, he had a German ally with two decent units of knights, one average, one superior, and also some Frisian cavalry with a general that they had like three cards for one unit of cavalry that could kind of do what it wanted. And I was facing these with just my one unit of superior knights and my flexible cavalry. Um, I figured the flexible cavalry were definitely going to die. Oh, I had, some, I had some skirmishes as well. They, they managed to keep them out of the way. Flexible cavalry were always going to die because they were facing three cards worth of cavalry. The superiors didn't really like facing 12 knights. Even though I've got six, he's got 12. It's not great. Um, I think he's super, he was superior melee expert, dev charge. No, he was superior fully armoured dev charge, his, his knights. And his other ones were average fully armoured dev charge. Um, and I was superior melee expert. So I wasn't down against... I was all right against one of those two units, but not against both. Um, my knights were able to redeploy from out on my right flank where they were to a bit more central. And um, then got charged by his superior knights, but with the average ones a fair way away. And amazingly, over um, charge combat and a, melee, a round of melee, I broke him for no loss, which is astounding. Um, Okay, he charged in. I think I took a wound, and that was it on the charge with green-white. 
and I had the choice of what to do with these cavalry. I could, my, my knights, I could either invest in them to try and get them to win the fight or leave them to die and actually leave a couple of other units out hanging out maybe to die as well. But by expanding on both flanks, I, I ended up with a double overlap, general with a unit. I had a card ready to rec recover wounds. I wasn't expecting to win in one round, but I ended up on a five dice versus three. I, overlaps are only white, but white's still better than nothing. Mm. And um, as it happens, I think I, I managed to take a base off in the, in the impact as well. So I, I got lucky on the white dice in the impact. Um, and after the melee phase, it was broke. It was like, whoa. And I didn't even have a wound on my unit. Uh, I, had a, I, took, I took no wounds on the impact. I took one wound in the melee and I recovered that. So my unit was completely healthy and charged forward. Um, ended up fighting one of the crunchy units. I then got charged in the flank by the average knights and kind of ignored that. And that then bogged down into a fight that went on for a fairly long period. Basically, neither army was going to go down in this game. It, it Sid had played a bit cagely at the start, but he was in a strong position. He had 45 points going into the last game. Um, you know, he could afford to... Um, he, he needed to get points off me, but equally he couldn't afford his army to collapse. And partly because of the way my army's configured, unless he goes for skirmishers, he's not actually going to get 10 points without breaking... Uh, well, 12 points maximum without breaking me. I think the end score was... 10 to Sid or 8 to Sid. I got about half a dozen. I, I did some damage. I took a few units, at least two or three units down. Um, and I was at a point where, given a few more turns, I would have taken some more down. Um, what we, we came to a, a mutual agreement. It's like, well, we'll get two more rounds in maximum. We worked out what would happen in those two rounds and then, then called it. It was a good game. Interesting. Very interesting army. Um, and, and I, I'm definitely an unusual troop type, Richard. So there you go. That that was like, okay, that's different. Yeah, they they, they yeah. are weird, but um, it shows what you can you can you can do with some of the characteristics and putting some of the old combinations because the combat shy and long spear and dev charger. So it it sort of means it, you know the the, the long spear and combat shy cancel each other out in a way. They do, but, but they mean that but, they're, but, not able to but they're good against cavalry. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 with the dev charger, they've always got the shatter possibility as well. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting army. So. An army I'd certainly consider trying. Mm. It's yeah. one of those where I I sometimes play an army and think, oh, that's interesting. Mm, mm. There's something there. Yeah. I, um, it, basically, he had lots of the crunchy troops, plus some spears, plus. A unit of crossbows plus two units of knights, one unit of other mounted that were okay, but not great. No skirmishers. I mean, something I noticed across all four games I played, not one of my opponents had a sug. Yeah, well, we, some of us in, in this podcast have been a bit banging on about, <laughs> about people not using them. I know you've used them for a long time very effectively. Richard's been advocating them for a long time and I think off the back of you two I've started advocating them and they work very well for me with my Hittites at Warfare. Yeah they did, they did yeah. Um, it, I, I actually, one of the things I did in my army, I didn't, I took non-combat shy light horse skirm, skirmishing light horse 
the objective being that they can deal with opposing opponent's thugs. Go to a medieval event. Nobody's got any thugs. <laughs> okay, that was a waste of points then. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure they were useful. And anyway, let's move on to Matt to complete the, the three of you who are playing there. Um, and I can tell you now, his army didn't have any thugs, but it had a lot of troops that could skirmish. Um, and and it's it's another one of Mad's mad arm Matt's mad armies. Um, I suspect he took it because it was exactly ten thousand points. Yeah, pretty much. It, it was between that and the later medieval Polish. I have to say, it was going to be one of those two. And um, Ray had been banging on with me to use the early Lithuanian phrases, so that was it. Early Lithuanian. It's a very simple army. It's a fourteen-card cavalry army, basically. It's three blocks of six superior formed loose protected unskilled javelin short spear melee expert cavalry it's then four average versions of that cavalry then one unarmored version of that cavalry and then three blocks of four poor rubbish cavalry all form flexible all all the blocks of six are melee expert, short spear, unskilled javelin, so they can all skirmish. They're all formed flexible, sorry, not formed loose. So, you know, they, 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 they can run around and be happy, basically. Uh, I will say now, the only time that I outscouted my opponent, considering I had eight PBS cards and seven <laughs> scouting cards, was against Pete Entwistle in the last round. I got outscouted by a medieval Irish army with two cards. I got outscouted by a Ming Chinese army with four cards. And um, I can't even remember who the other person was at the moment, but they outscouted me as well. Anyway, so there you go. So the only person that managed it was Pete. The uh, only person I managed to outscout was Pete. <laughs> so there you go. Right. So first round, I got Jeff with his medieval Irish, which is always an army that I, I, I quite quite like to look off, but never have the bravery to run. Um, so. Uh, Yes, so he outscouts me. The terrain is basically, he has a, a large river on one flank, making it secure. And we had a couple of very small pieces of it. It was either wood or forest that fell right on the outskirts. So his army, coincidentally, was just big enough to fit between the forest and the river in a nice big block. And he was running. Uh, so from my left, he had uh, the army commander. It was the Bruce version of the medieval Irish. So he had the army commander, which had two blocks of long spear, men at arms. Um, I think there was another unit in there. I can't remember what it was. Um, then he had an Islesman ally, which was two blocks of protected two-handed cut and thrust dev chargers, I think, backed up by just dev chargers. Um, now, that was quite a brave choice for Jeff because that was a mediocre Allied general. Um, so next to those, he then deploys um, the internal Irish two-handed cut and thrust guys who I'm not even going to attempt to say. Nick, you're usually good at this. How do you pronounce it? Is it Galogak? Or... Uh, well, I've always just said Galaglesh or something. That, that, that sounds... how, how drunk you are. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what he had was um, three blocks of the average and one block of the superiors, all in eights, which he deployed four deep, two wide. And then he went um, two blocks of the loose order kerns, two blocks of six, I think it was, which were on the other flank near, next to the wood, and then some skirmishes in the wood themselves, the uh, loose, uh, the um, skirmishing kerns. 
Um, so what, what, what was I to do? Um, the long spear Scots on the flank, I really didn't want to fight. So they got um, a couple of rubbish, poor four-man blocks of cavalry to play with and a single block of the unarmoured. My four blocks of average went straight for his um, galgash in the centre, um, basically to pin them in place because I'm unskilled javelin, so I can always skirmish away. And, and coincidentally, four four was sufficiently wide to cover his frontage. And um, sorry, three to, to cover his frontage. And then I sent two blocks of superior straight at his. Um, well, well, the aim was to go straight at his um, Islesman allies. And uh, a block of superior and a block of average was going to go straight for his loose order cones, which were also in the open. Uh, so round one, Jeff duly throws the two blacks out for the me mediocre Islesman ally. So they immediately each take a cab because they've gone desperately unreliable uh, and lose uh, a wound and a base, I think. Um, so, so, yeah, so Jeff was not having a good, good start before it had even um, kicked off. Um, and it basically went to plan. Uh, my, my my dross on the flank kept the Scots completely occupied. They just didn't get involved. Um, the superior, two blocks of superiors went straight into the Isleman whilst they were still deciding whether they wanted to fight. So I hit loose order troops, average loose, average loose order troops in the open. So they're combat shy. Two-handed cut and thrust doesn't count for anything. They're loose, hit by superior charging short spear cavalry. Uh, they lasted the turn. They both blew up. And they, I went straight through his line in a turn. Um, so one block went and hit the uh, camp immediately. And the other block um, rallied and went to play with his uh, Anglo, uh, his, his Irish light cavalry, which was lurking at the back. Um, the, his big mob of cut and thrusts did nothing for the entire game. As I said, I literally just walked backwards from them. If they charged me, I ran, I, I skirmished back and... Um, the Kerns on the side got hit by the superiors who broke both of them. I think my superiors actually broke at the same time. I think 12 versus six, even when I'm superior short spear melee expert, that the attritional rate of throwing blacks, blacks and whites against uh, greens and yellows, it, 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 it could have gone either way. But anyway, I, I think we mutually broke. Um, the loss of his camp plus some damage I did to his cavalry, I think, was enough to break his army, and he fled. Um, and that was it. I think it was a 6-15 or an 8-15 in the end. It was a good game. Um, yeah, the Isleman ally, he didn't need, because that basically stalled his entire line, and he couldn't do anything about it until they came online, otherwise, without exposing the flanks of both sides. Um, yeah, I mean, my reaction is that that medieval Irish army needs to, it, it can have plenty of skirmishers and it needs to use them uh, if, if it's going to face opponents like yours. Because um, if he had had a, a fair number of skirmishers, I think your army would suffer quite a bit, Matt. I, I don't disagree. I was expecting a lot more than he only put us two units of six or something down, I think. Uh, I was expecting a lot more, and I was not expecting as many two-handed cut and crush weapons in there. I, I th th thought there was a lot more than he needed to have. I was expecting more cavalry, to be perfectly honest. But um, even so, he didn't need it. He got the two reds to outscout me. Not that I'm bitter about that. <laughs> anyway, 
But it must be said, a mediocre ally is uh, brave. And I, I, I'm guessing he took a lot of two-handed cut and crush because he was expecting to fight lots of heavy metal. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I can see the logic for it, but I, I think it kind of hampered what mm-hmm. he was trying to achieve. It made him too narrow, I think. But Because right. uh, he didn't need to be four deep against me, I don't think. Mm. Frank, three or... It, it would just have broadened him out a bit more and made it a little harder for me to stop him yeah, stop the good stuff from getting involved. Yeah, I think I've I found this with people facing my shooty cavalry armies. If they if they put sort too wide four deep, I'm quite happy because they're easier to slow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway, your next game. Yeah, my next game was Ian Cosby with Medieval Swedish. Now, Medieval Swedish is one an army that is on my to do list. I actually like look at that. There's some interesting quirks to that one. It's um, the period Ian took it at it. it has to have uh Leidang, which are tribal close polearm foot and you can also though take uh mixed crossbowman polearm so your front rank is uh polearm crossbow flexible formed flexible and rear rank just formed loose crossbowman uh but you have to take it in a proportion of for uh, you have to have twice as many laydang as you have these these mixed crossbowmen units. So it, it's got a really interesting mix of terrain. Um, unfortunately for the both of us, basically, Ian got a massive maximum size piece of uh, rough going, which straddled the centre of the table. Uh, there were forests and woods on the flanks, which they, they, they had no impact on the game. This central basically meant he could form a V when he deployed. So he had uh, his, his laydang on either side of the either side of this rough going to his table edge. And then he had all his crossbowmen in, in the rough itself. Um, basically made it a very hard. Don't get me wrong. The game went to a pace, but it was a lot of maneuver to try and get anything to happen. In the end, I had him stretched out. His crossbowmen in the rough were facing in three different directions because my cavalry was basically all around it. Uh, the cavalry had moved on to um, both flanks. One was delaying the tribal foot on one side and all my superiors on the other facing two blocks of these um two blocks of nine i think they were in, all in nines and uh, two blocks of um uh, the, these tribal polearm close order foot and he had his cavalry by his camp basically three blocks of four of varying flavors of dev charging uh knights effectively um but he couldn't because they were in fours he couldn't afford to let them out and roam free with them because i was just going to swamp them so they they were sat at the back i got it into a stage where i i I'd successfully got this forced him basically because uh forced his tribal to charge my superior cavalry because i was basically sat there throwing unskilled javelins at him and, and all right fair play it's unskilled so i'm throwing blacks but it was whittling him down and i think he got frustrated by it so he charged them and so the superiors had actually broken one of these um units of polearm i'd actually managed to um force one of his crossbowmen units into a, a situation where once again my cavalry is fighting in rough terrain i uh i managed to charge him frontally and in the flank with two blocks of cavalry and broke them in fairly quick order um because again decent cavalry in 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 rough going isn't that bad against form loose even polearm loose particularly when they're being hit in the flank so uh, but that's when it got called unfortunately I'd, I'd managed to make a hole in the center and was working my way to the next crossbowman when we, we we ran out of time so it was a six four i think um i was happy with the position but from the moment that terrain went down i knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere it just forced the game out 
into uh, into the wilderness, basically. Um, but good game. And uh, that was the end of day two. So, you know, I wasn't displeased <laughs> with the performance of the Nutty Lithuanians. Uh, they did as was expected. Uh, round three, I got Sam Street and his Ming Chinese, which is actually the kind of army my army really likes to fight. It's a mix of foot, unprotected nomadic Mongols, and some internal Ming Chinese cavalry, which are all experienced bow, short spear, not melee expert, which my guys are. So if I can get in, it's a good fight. And also because he's experienced bow, short spear, he's actually quite expensive. His foot is a mix of um, crossbowmen and polearm troops. Again, wide open table, which didn't necessarily um, hinder either of us, really. Uh, a large piece of rough on one side. And... Um, a forest on the other, oh, sorry, a wood on my on my right. And uh, as is always my way, I ambushed three units of cavalry in the wood. Uh, all my superiors, in fact. And um, What is it with you and cavalry in woods? I know. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly think it's the scene in Gladiator where he charges his cavalry into the German barbarians <laughs> in the wood. I swear that's where it comes from. And I yeah, just yeah. to recreate it, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. So, yeah, so they were in the wood. But I also... Um, I double faked flank marches, uh, which I don't often do. And I don't know why, because it's, there's absolutely no cost in the rules for doing it. So I, I double, double blinded him basically. And um, so when, so Sam, I think he uh, outscouted me by a mere 30% or something with his four to my seven cards. Again, not better. No, no, no let's not go there. Um, so, um, Sam was in a bit of a bind and he, he he's fairly sensibly decided that where this rough was, he had a feeling that was where I was going to try and come through because it just didn't seem the most obvious because it was opposite where the ambush was. And so he, he deployed a lot of his foot on that flank to, to, to stop me rushing behind him. The problem was, of course, it was a blind. <clears throat> so when we kicked off, basically my entire army was fighting two thirds of his army and it was two-thirds of the army that really doesn't want to get embroiled in a cavalry battle with protected short spear melee expert. So um, Sam tried to delay whilst desperately trying to get his um, his infantry across to get involved. Um, it didn't work. The, the, the three superiors leapt out of the wood into his um, into his Chinese Mongols, uh, Chinese Ming cavalry that were holding the flank and they just couldn't stop them. Uh, they just didn't have enough grunt to hold them long enough and I chased him back to the table edge, pinned him on the table edge, killed two units. Uh, the average melee expert cavalry by then had gone through uh, his middle section and was turning on his nomadic Mongols and um, I think he broke on five, possibly six. I think we got the camp as well, which did it. Yes, it was the camp that went, that gave me the sixth and it, it, it basically collapsed for him. Um, and I think it was a it was a fairly brutal scoreline. I think it was fifteen zero. Uh, yeah, it was fifteen. It was fifteen zero, which is really harsh, actually, because he, he he had quite a few of my units teetering and had a few of my units where they had nowhere to run, particularly a couple of my poor units that I've been using to slow down his infantry and stuff. So he he deserved more for 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 the effort he put into the game. And um, but no, it it was a another good game played in good stead and cavalry did what they were supposed to do uh that took me round four against pete i don't think i was in with a shot of top i, I might have been in with a shot for a, th a third placing if i did really well against pete but it, it, 
it was unlikely. Pete, Pete was about five points ahead of me when we started. Um, fully, well, the, the train went down. Uh, I had a bit of a brain fart moment, to be brutally honest, and I, I'd misjudged where I wanted the um, terrain counter to be, and um, where I where I wanted to put woods down, I ended ended up forcing myself to put forests down, which was a bit irritating, uh, particularly when then when I decided on my deployment choices, I counted them as woods when I put my ambushes in them and then remembered afterwards that they were forests, which meant, of course, my cavalry was only moving two, so they weren't going to get out quick enough. Um, uh, yeah, and the way the terrain had fallen because of where I ended up choosing it, it meant even though I'd fully outscouted Pete, I knew how he was going to deploy anyway. It's basically going to be a long line between, I think it was a vineyard that he put down on one flank and a forest on the other, and it's just going to be a straight line and give me no real places to play. Um, so before we started, I was pretty much sure Pete was going to get a 15 out of it because I had nowhere to run. Um, it was just a question of how many um, come on, uh, how many tugs I could get off him to see where I, where I finished. Um, it started badly when, um, unrelated to the game, I disappeared from view from Pete, ducking his power bow when my chair collapsed, um, <laughs> which, was, which was a little unfortunate as it aggravated an existing injury. So. Um, we played on for a couple of turns, but I was in too much pain, and I think I may be the first person to ever retire hurt from a <laughs> from a wargaming. You know, I don't know how that, that, that gets recorded. So unfortunately, uh, Pete didn't get didn't get a game and got fifteen zero scoreline. Um, but as I say, I, I I don't think even if we'd have played the game, Pete would have got anything other than a fifteen from from the way the, the lay of the land was. So I'm not not certainly. I certainly didn't give him a, a cheap win to the top, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, so it, it was what it was, really. And um, that's just really unfortunate. And um, oh. yeah, just, uh, hopefully you are somewhat recovered now. Yes, yes. I, 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 I'm on my way. Fortunately, I didn't do anything that I'd, um, is going to aggravate my uh, existing issues. So, that, that, so that's good. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of a bit of a flat to the weekend um other than that really enjoyed the lithuanians they were doing a lot better than i was expecting and and I, as i said to nick earlier or offline next year i'm running infantry just to prove that i can honestly <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or equally prove that i can't run infantry i don't know we'll see see what the end result is yeah that, that, that's your, your starting point anyway so okay guys thanks very much for your 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 accounts of your your games which have been interesting most amusing in places dice woes and and matt's really unfortunate actual physical injury woe at the ends but good, good to know you're feeling better and obviously i think we say well done to pete for winning the competition um you know matt's already said that he, he feels he would have won it regardless of um, his his falling off a chair or the chair collapsing at the end so but, you know th these things happen they are what they are um so there you are. So I suggest we now move on to um, what might be the controversial bit, um, which is looking at the changes to the army lists. Um, as, as we all know, army lists get updated every year. The vast majority of these changes are pretty minor, but sometimes there's something in there which, which can materially affect an army or you know, affect it in, in some way. Um, and of course, changes. Uh, so I say effect. I don't necessarily mean negative either. We've already touched on the 
wander out the James the Fourth Scottish Army, which which um, Graham Graham was discussing earlier. So so we won't repeat that. Um, um, I think it, it, as Richard is our listmeister, he will be the one to to take us through these other changes. Um, I, I, I'm hoping he doesn't go ahead with his threat and go through every single change, including all the spelling corrections and punctuation. And then we just stick to the to the material ones, because I say a lot of them are minor tweaks where, where, where small errors have crept in over time or whatever. So we'll, we'll go through that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody here will contribute with their thoughts about it, about some of these changes. Um, I'm going to suggest to Richard that he starts with the one that's possibly caused the most angst online, you know, um, which are the changes to some of the late Japanese lists, including lists that were used at Ribble Rumble, the Sengoku Japanese. Um, so if Richard starts there and I'll let him perhaps explain why the change has been made as well as what the change is. So just to drop you in it, Richard. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for that. Yes, OK. Well, I wasn't planning to start off with the Japanese, but OK. Well, to be honest, if you want to start with another one, Richard, it's up to you. We'll, we'll go with the Japanese list then. So, um, yeah, the um, tweak to the Japanese lists um, is uh, essentially um, that with the uh, later samurai lists, um, the samurai in mixed tugs, so this is Kamakura, Muromachi, um, Sengoku, Nobunaga and Takeda, and if I mispronounce those, uh, I apologise to all our Japanese listeners. Um, the um, So in the mixed tugs, the samurai shoot in one rank um this this change was intentional to prevent um players um distorting the tugs by deploying uh to the front rank elements or what was intended to be the front rank elements too deep and therefore um getting the more effective um shooting in particular um so um so it would that that's a relatively straightforward change um it doesn't make a huge difference because typically if you were shooting in two ranks with a green dice uh you're now getting two um two white dice instead by being forced to have them in the one rank um the perhaps controversial change although quite frankly why it's controversial i still don't understand was reducing the mounted samurai from skilled power bow to experienced power bow um skilled power bow it was is essentially the most powerful combination you could have um and it just it was disproportionate um compared to any ar army that uh you might uh consider the japanese having faced um, so, um, it, as experienced power bow, they're considerably cheaper, 60 points of base cheaper, and um, the firing effect is still um, very powerful in my opinion. 
So I, I, I really don't see it as a, being a, um, a huge disadvantage to the Japanese uh, armies. Uh, if you want the skilled power bow, you dismount you, or use dismounted samurai. And they are still skilled power bow. So I, I really um, have no apologies or regrets with that, that change at all. Can I uh, just chip in and just make the point that because they, for shooting at other cavalry, because they're still power bow, they're still on a green dice. So the skull is still in play. Absolutely, yes. The, that's, a, the, that's a very important point. You yeah, and, and if you're facing the foot, you okay, you've been reduced to white dice, but you still have the capability of um, uh, evading. And then uh, you also have the quite powerful melee capability uh, once once the unit has been weakened. So you you mentioned you just mentioned that if you want skill, you dismount. Um, the cavalry can't if the cavalry dismount at the no. moment by the list they stay the same skill is that correct uh, if, uh no if if you dismount there's actually an errata entry now which allows them to shoot at the one level better okay so that although the list says they gave the same skill the, the same skill they're, they're better if they're dismounted okay oh. yeah. Yeah, you, you've also changed the, the the fire out firearm how the firearm um, special rule works yeah, for the, pirates. The pirates who um, this this was to essentially not penalise them if they're actually being charged. So the the um, skill level uh, was previously I had dropped it a level if they were shooting with firearm. Um, that seemed unduly harsh. So. Um, so returned it so they fire with the same skill that they'd fire normally with the power bill power bill. i'm going to ask a slightly obscure technical question what happens if they are charged by cavalry superior cavalry because firearms on an s class an extra slow but an s is now a wound because they are they are skilled shooters firing at superior so they they still get the extra slow but they get the wound as well Cool. That's fine. Uh, I suspect that question will come up at some point, which is why I am. Um, it, it will. It, it's, it's actually quite an important change in favour of those um, the pirate chaps, because I remember playing Lee Sanders earlier this year, and and after playing it, I worked I worked out that actually I could be just charging them straight up with my cavalry, because they stopped being power bow, and turned into these unskilled firearm. Yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. is, so, this, which just seemed daft. <laughs> which oddly was going to be my tactic if I fought any of the samurai armies over the weekend was to actually charge those pirates with my cavalry. I mean, Sorry. it's still a, it's still worth considering because if you get in, you will have avoided being shot at by power bow. But now that they will be experienced and uh, uh, get the extra slows, there's always that risk or possibility that you might not get in. And then you'll be a sitting target for the power bow. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, I think it's it's it, it's it's a really good change. I mean, I don't know what what the people's view on the sort of the overall changes. Um, you know, because I mean, obviously, people often overreact, especially online when changes are made, and you know, get the oh, this army is ruined. Um, what do what do 
people think those changes have, have impacted on those samurai armies. You know, Graham, since you fought one at the last event. Well, the only thing I really noticed was the lovely little voodoo doll of Richard that Stephen had in his camp. I wondered if Will had the same thing, Hammy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, Will, Will didn't actually have the voodoo doll. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling shortchanged, really. I, I, Maybe I, I should set up a line of camps with voodoo dolls. <laughs> so people can... I, I, would I, think, I, I think that they were too many eggs in one basket. The thing is that, that they're so expensive as skilled power bow um, yeah. that you have to come up with a plan to deal with them. So in my game against Will, my plan to deal with them was, well, they can kill one or two units that I don't care if, if they die. And they killed one and then got stuck. But that means that huge amounts of points were tied up and not able to do something else. So, yeah, I, I, but I don't use Japanese armies. So, Yeah, I, I'd just sort of like, like to point out that... Um, well, you know, because some, some people have commented that, that Richard and I have been dubious about the classification for some time. But I think it would be fair to say we hadn't got it on the, the horizon for making a change this year. But um, Lee Sanders, who used the um, Takeda Samurai at Skull Rollers, raised, raised the point, the point if, if these bow-armed cavalry were so good, why the hell did Takeda become lancers and actually became the most effective cavalry in Japan? It, you know, the, the rules weren't reflecting this. So that was a, yeah. was, was a, a, a cogent point, I think, made, made on that. And, and I would like, again, just, just for the benefit, uh, you know, for, for Richard's benefit in a way, saying, you know, there was discussion about this. <laughs> It's not a random change, and the the change, as with all any significant change, they are discussed and they are they, they are considered. So that's my party line broadcast bit. <laughs> can I can I move on to some of the changes that people may not have noticed or seem to have got less comment? Yeah, please. Um, yeah, there are three I would like to mention. Um, the first is um, the change we made to the Romans, uh, particularly allied Roman contingents. Um, so that in uh, Roman allied contingents, and this is the imperial, early imperial? Early Roman? imperial. Early imperial Roman. Um, the legionaries are now optional in allied contingents, but cavalry have become compulsory. Um, so so that uh, a Roman allied contingent now has to have at least one tug of auxiliary and one tug of cavalry, thereby um, leaving it with only two remaining tugs for uh, what was rapidly becoming a, 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 a widespread use, which was the superior veteran legionaries. Um, so we've, we'll see how that impacts. Um, uh, but I think historically it's more accurate because if you look at the uh, contingents the Romans supplied um, to uh, assist allies, it just generally seemed to be either com contingents of cavalry uh, and or auxilia um, that are actually there rather than legions. So that hopefully reflects more the historical 
scenario. Um, number two is a very, very minor one, apparently, but I think will have a big impact on the list itself. And that's later Crusader, um, just by um, actually giving the later Crusader army a few more knights. Um, having looked at the historical makeup of the um, armies in the battles that we have recorded, um, it was clear that the um, there weren't enough out Rima knights to represent the proportions uh, of the armies at that time. So that's one that people might like to look at. Um, the third one is, uh, I think, Mr. Gorkrod. Sorry, can please. Can I just ask about the Crusaders, the knights? How many um, Ultramare knights can you can you have extra, and, and what are they, average or superior? Um, it's just a single tug. I, um, sorry, I pr probably should have come better prepared. Um, so, oh, sorry, that's uh, yeah, it just. You're planning on a Crusader army, Graham? You jumped on that one with alacrity. <laughs> no, it's just I've done absolutely no homework, so I thought I'd exploit Richard while he's there. Yeah, so <laughs> so I think I think they were restricted to either six or eight. Uh, now you can have 12 um, uh, Outrema Knights. Um, and then if you have a third or fifth Crusade, you can have another eight. Um, they're 50-50 Knights and Sergeants. Thanks. Uh, uh, so that's the change. And, and you can have Military Order Knights on top of that. Um, so you can actually end up with a later Crusader army um, that's uh, got a pretty solid Knight line. Um, not suggesting that's necessarily the best choice for a later Crusader army, <laughs> but it does reflect the history. And does okay, I... Richard, you've sold it to me. All cavalry Crusader army. No, no, I'm doing infantry, <laughs> aren't I? Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I, okay. I don't think you're allowed an all cavalry Crusader army, but rats. <laughs> um, the third option, the third sort of list change I thought I'd mention would be the Hittite Empire. Um, as I say, this is down to Mr. Gorkrodger as much as anybody. Um, who's now trying to look innocent, um, but this this uh, now doesn't have to have an Anatolian contingent. Uh, as Nick pointed out, there are examples of Hittite forces um, that just seem to draw either on the core kingdom or on, indeed on the uh, eastern kingdoms and, and didn't actually have an Anatolian contingent. And that opens up a, again a few different options for the Hittite Empire army. Not necessarily stronger, but but uh, alternatives. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, having used it at warfare, I I liked it with the Anatolian ally, but I think you're right. It's it's you know it, it it reflects history again. It's a history reflection one, and just allows a bit more flexibility because that having almost you know having that ally as compulsory did um, it did restrict your choices a bit. Indeed. Um, I'll also um, want to take this opportunity to mention uh, Graham, who is responsible for many of the typing corrections. Uh, he did an absolutely terrific job uh, in proofreading and uh, spotting a lot of the existing uh, typing and grammatical errors. So um, any that remain, I wholeheartedly take responsibility for. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I guess I'll also mention the one change um, that I'm not happy with on reflection, and I think we may need further adjustment. That's actually the Inca Empire. 
Um, the Inca Empire army list needed changing. Um, it was it actually uh, was a bit of a mess because um, the history of the Incas is prior to a particular date, I think 1438. Um, they really are a, a very minor sort of kingdom, kingdom of Cusco as it's known. Uh, and then they suddenly go on this dramatic expansion up and down the Andes. Um, now, I think I think we've reflected the Kingdom of Cusco correctly. I'm much happier with that sort of pre-1438 army. Um, I think we have perhaps penalised the Inca Empire army too harshly. Um, and I think that's one where I think we will need to uh, make some further adjustments. You got any thoughts on timescales for that, Richard? Obviously, you won't want to rush it, but um, I, I'm, I've got various ideas which I'd like to run through. Uh, hopefully, we can make some adjustments reasonably quickly uh, without having to wait till 2023 for that one. Um, but uh, that that that's down to other people taking a view on what I think and and Simon agreeing to make the changes. Yeah, I, I have no views. The the whole of the Americas are something. I, th I think to be fair, not many people run South American armies in competition. Um, so um, I, I suspect there aren't many people who are going to be greatly affected by that. No, but it, my education. Sorry, just for my education, is that because they're rubbish or because most people don't have the figures? Uh, I think it's a combination of the, f a lot of people don't have figures. I think the problem with South American armies is they're actually very difficult to represent. Um, the lack of cavalry uh, yeah. inevitably tends to hinder them in any sort of um, competition uh, where you get um, strong cavalry armies um, and I think realistically the terrain rules again are difficult to reflect um, the the peculiar nature of Meso and South American warfare. Um, yes. So it, it's a case of we're on the boundaries of what you can do with a general rule set. Yeah uh, so I think you could need a rule that gave them PBS for some of their infantry scouting for some of their infantry, wouldn't you, to give them a chance of getting decent terrain, but perhaps I'm getting off piste here, sorry. If you think about it, the, the Libyan army that I took down to warfare had virtually no cavalry. Um, okay, it had two tugs, of, two tugs of chariots, but that's not really a lot, and they didn't really function that much as cavalry in any of the games, because I downgraded them so far. Um, I think you could build an army... I'd need to look at the South American lists to see what you could do. But I think along a similar line, if there's a skirmish or heavy option in one of the South American armies, I think it's feasible to make it workable. In Inca actually can have an awful lot of slingers. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, so uh, and it's, yeah. It isn't a useless army by any means, but I think um, with the changes it made, I, th I think perhaps we veered too much. Yeah, um, to to um, 
and and anyway, so it's it's something I I propose to do a bit of further work. Okay. Um, the other the other change, which isn't a list change that I would like to mention, is the points changes to camps, um, because um, this this came about um, in reflecting that um, that a lot of the camp options people by and large weren't terribly keen on or, or thought were overpriced. So um, we've actually done a bit of tweaking and um, for example, for example, uh, mobile camps and fortified camps, if they're poor, are now 72 points cheaper than they were previously. And in fact, a mobile camp has now moved to 126 points. Um, and is only, actually only 18 points more expensive than an unfortified camp. So. I, I, I tried using no camp in one event and at the end of the event concluded that it was an utter waste of points to have no camp. I think the points from no camp have gone down as well, haven't they? They have. They've, they've gone down by 108 from 486 to 378. Uh, basically, I, I, I ran no camp with an all-mounted army, um, defended in two games, so you've got a camp anyway, um, invaded in the other two, and in no game did anybody get anywhere near my camp. So it was utterly pointless. Um, just a waste of, you know, wasted about 300 points, I think, on that. So um, I, th uh, I think for some armies it's still can, it can be useful, but I think, as I've mentioned before, I think you have to construct your army to, you have to load it to, to be the invader as best you can. Oh, it did. And and I think it it won't be useful for all cavalry armies anyway. But I think a, a cheaper option is is definitely a better option. Well, we, we'll we'll keep the no camp option under review, and if it's still um, not considered um, of any value, we might tweak that and even further. But uh, anyway, um, so. Yeah, I mean, the one tweak actually is worth mentioning is that even an unfortified camp, that has actually become 18 points cheaper. So if you had an army that was 1,006 points, 10,006 rather, with a bit of luck, you might actually now be able to use it. Could I possibly press you on some of the, a couple of the other bigger changes? Um... By all means. <laughs> um, and, and what, what is you? What well, you it, I, I will say they, they are ones that are, have generated discussion on the forum. <laughs> <laughs> so that it, it immediately tells you what they are, Richard. But I'm just wondering if perhaps we should touch on them in this podcast, um, if only to say get um, Graham, Hammy's and Matt's view on the changes, because I know we're pretty much of one mind on the majority of them. Okay. So, so Sassanid Persian infantry. Um, the middle Sassanid Persian now has an option for swordsmen who are formed close um, with no um, sort of melee weapon, but but with the melee expert characteristic average. Um, the, the arguments are all on the forum and I don't propose to repeat them um, here, but uh, as Nick has indicated, um, uh, the the source for the change is Amianus, um, and it's his description of the Sassanid Persian infantry as equipped like Mamillos. 
who were a form of Roman gladiator. Can I say it's it's both the early and the middle Sassanid Persian? Oh, apologies. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the the, uh, the early end. So you protected close formation, average melee expert. But the the, the late thing, in my opinion, I mean, if there's evidence for them, even if the evidence is not a lot, although we might get onto the Welsh knight, the French knights, and the Welsh army in a minute. Um, <laughs> I've got more evidence than one line for that. So. Yeah. Um, there are some other infantry changes for the Sassanids as well, Richard. There are. Um, the the later Sassanids get um, uh, Dilami style infantry, um, uh, which uh, is, uh, yeah, is uh, again. I won't. I won't bore the details. The the evidence. Um, is I think some academics believe it's very strong, others perhaps are slightly more doubtful. Um, it, it depends. The, the sources for the late Sassanid period tend to be Arabic rather than Persian, um, and it's what credibility I think you give to some of those Arabic sources. Um, incidentally, the same sources are also uh, created an interesting option for the Got Turks, who can now take elephants, um, which which creates a, a very intriguing um, horse archer army. It does, and, and we had a little play test of it, didn't we, Richard? We did. You 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 used the Got Turks, and I used the Sassanid, and um, yeah, it was it, it was a good game, and it was a, a an interesting addition to a, a step cavalry army. I think interesting options. I, 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 I'm going to take this opportunity um, to, to, to say that I am, I am at the less convinced end of the spectrum on the Delami infantry, especially for the later Sassanid. Um, but as Richard said, the, the sources are a, a pretty, pretty poor for the late Sassanids anyway. So, you know, it's, it's definitely not, I'm, I'm going to die in a ditch and have a raging argument with Richard about it. I, I would also comment that I still think the stronger Sassanid Persian options are the ones with cavalry. I don't think the Sassanids will ever become a, a killer infantry army. I have no intention of changing mine. <laughs> if you want a killer infantry army, there are other ways of doing it. You know, So it's nice to have some infantry um, and some decent terrain troops in a cavalry army is a nice bonus. Um, again, if there's some sort of evidence for it, there's plenty of other things that are sketchier than that that are allowed. Like, you know, maybe Thracian horse archers, for example, you know, they're a bit thin on the ground for evidence, but they're in most lists of most games. So, I, uh, OK, uh, I, I actually think there's actually some quite strong evidence for, th for Thracian horse archers, but they probably are confused up with Scythian horse archers. It depends whether you treat yeah. the um, Gete as a Scythian army or a Thracian army. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there there are there are so I mean, there are so many lists that um, uh, there's there's always it's difficult to uh, have um, com complete confidence and and there's always that debate as to what is actually a fantasy list or what is a um, a historical yeah. list with very little evidence and. 
um, Trojan War lists, for example, are, um, are, are that sort of boundary um, yes. between how, how accurate is Homer reflecting something that may have happened um, possibly 400 years earlier, possibly 150 years earlier, depending on the what you believe on the chronology. And, yeah, and you always get the problem that in the past history didn't exist because if you look at the you know the paintings of Roman soldiers that are done in Renaissance Italy, they look surprisingly like Renaissance soldiers rather than Romans. You know. Yes. Yeah, yeah I suspect it, it does get worrying when uh, academic historians use them as evidence for what Roman armies look like. <laughs> Absolutely. On the uh, other hand, I suspect you could do a really beautiful Roman army with with Renaissance figures. Yeah, uh, I, I do. Actually, I seem to recall a long time ago somebody suggesting doing an Alexandrian army because there's some lovely Renaissance paintings for the Romance of Alexander, which has the companions are early 16th century gendarmes with the massive plumes and the base coats over the armour and all his pikemen and lance connects in the puffed and slashed. Um, <laughs> so you could actually do some a sort of Renaissance themed Alexandrian yeah. army. Wow. And I'm sure it could look beautiful, but utterly wrong. <laughs> you do know Will is now taking notes on that. Mr. Denham is yeah. now planning his next army. <laughs> In, in, in ten mil, it's, it's, it's along along the lines of uh, of the infamous Robbo threat to do a Hussite army, but with figures from about six hundred years wrong date wise. Yeah, <laughs> as in nineteen eighteen rather than sort of thirteen fourteen eighteen. Yeah, yeah. You, you, there's lot, lots of possibilities there, but uh, yeah, um, I, I'm I don't think there's a problem adding if there's some evidence crops up and we get some evidence of however skinny the evidence of something that could be there i don't think it breaks the game it just changes armies and gives you a little bit of a, a, a new variety or a tweak yeah. i'm all for it yeah and, and, and as, as long as we're cautious as long as you're cautious on those thin evidence bits and i certainly don't think those sassanid swordsmen in any way turn you, you, you don't want to completely distort an army that that's the only thing i would say if the evidence is thin you don't want it if it's going to completely distort an army. Um, no. But other than that, I'm I'm usually fairly comfortable. But as long as the as long as the point system works, and the game ties together, it's like if you go back to DBM, the DBM days, um, there was pretty much no army in DBM that wouldn't be made better by giving it six fast it, six fast light horse, mm. because fast light horse were well worth. The points if you had a small amount of them but actually plenty of mega armies would not be made better by adding a unit of skirmishing like horse yeah no, I, my views of meg points are pretty damn good i think they are i think they think it's like what well, the problem with the samurai yes they're nowhere near as good mounting now but you've saved a boatload of points yeah so okay i don't put it richard richard and sorry and myself of course talking about the, the assassinate infantry we've missed the other change which i persuaded richard to do on the middle sassanids which i'm really pleased he put in although it does raise as another question for some years down the line which is which is they can field all their mounted horse archers as cataphracts horse archers 
fully armoured, armoured horse, experienced bow. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a good idea. <laughs> I, I have I have tried it, um, and I I did uh, it did better than I anticipated. Let's put it like that. But um, it it is an interesting option. It, obviously, you being armoured horse, you can't evade. Mm -hmm. um, but being armoured horse, uh, if you're shot at, you've got the extra protection. And being fully armoured, you you in effect get a factor in combat. So um, it's it's it it becomes an interesting army to to use. Um, uh, I, I suspect one's interesting to use in the odd game. Possibly not the greatest choice in a four or four, four game competition. I don't think it will appear as a winning competition army too many times. <laughs> Again, you often see pictures of Sassanid cavalry with lots and lots of armour, and so yeah. Oh yeah. If, if anybody wants the wants the justification, I can quite happily pass that on to them. <laughs> I persuaded Richard. So, <laughs> one what I noticed that is actually kind of more significant because it actually introduces a new rule, or at least a new class of uh, new. I don't know. It's not a characteristic, isn't it? Which is caval uh, the cavalry killer, mm. the horse killer, horse killer. Um, yeah, we we this isn't a new rule because this was already in the early German list. Yes. Um, but we, we've just formalised it as a points characteristic, so yeah. you now pay points for it. Um, it's so the horse killers were they're described by Caesar in the context of German cavalry, and they were also used by um, classical Greeks. Um, and essentially, the cavalry get a marker, which is a skirmisher marker. And as long as the cavalry don't move more than skirmisher distance at any point, then they can count melee expert characteristic against opposing enemy cavalry. Makes sense. So um, because the role of the horse killers was basically to grab onto the mains, jog alongside the horses and then try and hamstring the horses when they got into a combat. Mm -hmm. So the, the the other two, which are, we've also added as uh, characteristics, are the shield cover and shoot, um, which again is nothing new. It was um, there previously in the list, but now is a paid for characteristic. Okay. Um, and it's been applied to essentially the Pavisias in Genoese and other similar Italian states. Um, the final one is the um, uh, spear protection characteristic, which we've given to the Nikephorian Byzantine regraded Scutatoi. Um, this, uh, the effect of this is like uh, one rank of long spear, um, in the sense that you don't get a weapon factor, but you get the cancellation effect against cavalry, cavalry or chariots. It's impact. So is that changing the units from being one rank of spear and two ranks of bow to being all bow but with spear protection or something? Uh, essentially, yes. So the, 
the the reason for this was people were starting to deploy the regraded scutar toy four deep with two ranks of long spear and two ranks of bow and then use them like mobile um, tank killers um, uh, which was never the intention nor is reflected in the history where uh, Byzantine infantry and the manuals are described very much as being in a defensive posture uh, and it, it it actually is has been pointed cheaper um, although other changes actually adjust the points system back to pretty much where they were. Um, the front rank are now of the regraded scutata are drilled flexible. Um, the argument for this was actually that if they were in rough terrain, um, they if the front rank was close, you had the absurd situation where um, other opposing archers would be better off charging them. Uh, yes. because the close would be minus two from the fact of being close and that just didn't seem right um increase the it increases the amount of shooting they get presumably though so if you're a unit previously if you're a unit of six you'd be on a they've got the same yeah. number of shooting bases as they ever had yeah they they were the old, in. the old formation had long spear and bow on the front rank the oh, front right, okay. rank, so it's it's still basically a shooting formation that is that is got resistance against cavalry right and is essentially as, as richard just said it, it it's more suitable to a more defensive posture of shooting which is what they did so it, it's I have no with that i'm sure some people with nicophorian armies will go oh well he's way okay i think we cl we'll, cl we'll close this list bit out with with a couple of quickies hammy do you want to mention euro england <laughs> Um, well, he's not changed in yet. I'm, I, I will dig out. I will dig out the books. Um, I am still convinced that there should be an option for Owen Glendower to have a Welsh, have a French ally, small French ally. There were, I think, six, no, two and a half, three thousand French that came over. Um, I can give you a breakdown, breakup of the force, tell you how many were crossbowmen, how many were knights. I can give you the names of their leaders, and I can tell yeah. you where they stood in. It stood with the Welsh army opposite the English army, but they didn't fight a battle. That's pretty likely to actually have been there. It's just they chose not to fight. I'm sure if you dig around, you can actually find records of the jousting that went on between the French knights and the English knights in between the two armies while they were bored waiting to fight. <laughs> okay, well, I think, I think it like... would certainly be one for scenario games that I would uh, have no problem at all with. For competition, um, my only fear is it that it would uh, you wouldn't see a Welsh army without a French ally. That's basically... Yes. And I think you have to be careful. You can't use a straight French. You can't use it as a straight French ally. You can't take a full ally from the French list. But I think there should be an option for French troops within the Welsh army. Maybe just they, just... Things up. they never actually fought. Maybe they should be compelled to take a mediocre ally general. So maybe they won't fight. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe they ought to be yeah. mandatory starting as unreliable. <laughs> Well, then the English would have started the battle, wouldn't they? Yeah, um, I think when Hammy says they didn't fight, the armies lined up and just didn't <laughs> fight. It's it's very similar to the army of in that case, it's very similar to the army of Edward the Third, which justifies, I think, some German spearmen, because again, that was in a campaign where no actual fighting took place. 
the the two armies lined up opposite each other and then had to think about it and then went back to camp and then they did it again the next day and then they did it again the next day and then they got bored well actually i think the welsh ran out of supplies and had to had to retire um but okay, okay yeah. we, we, we can put that one down to we'll leave that with you to put a proposal up on the forum shall we yes why not? thank you after that, i've just got a couple of quick questions because ian newell kindly sent in a couple of questions when i requested this one one is asking about devotio the deliberate suicide of leaders to encourage their troops um, you know you said there's examples with etruscans and roman commander at centium um could it be covered in the rules, basically? I suppose he's asking for a special rule. I, I, it, maybe we should put one in for scenario games. Um, I'm, I'm not. Uh, if it's a rules uh, one, then it's really down to Simon. Rather, um, but cer certainly maybe something for scenario games we could suggest within the lists. <laughs> okay, look, and I, I'm going to handle his other questions. He asked about Ottoman Ghazis in the early Ottoman list, <laughs> which you say you frequently referred to as fanatics and classed as such in other rules. And basically you say, why does Meg classify them as average horse archers up to three quarters skilled shooters? So basically as Turkmen horse archers and, and not as some sort of fanatic types. Um, and th th this, is, this, is, this is basically a long-standing misunderstanding of what Ghazi means Ghazi is just a fighter for the faith I mean it certainly included various nutters and people people seeking martyrdom and, and and whatever but in itself it doesn't it doesn't really have any connotation of fanaticism that's a sort of an old-fashioned 19th century western view of Arabs um, um, and certainly the troops that are, are called Ghazis in the early Ottoman lists were basically just Turkmen tribesmen and should be reflected as such. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, we probably need to take the bit in the list note out that's been there forever and probably inherited from previous sets of rules yeah. going back to the 1970s that mentions fanatics because um, it isn't right. <laughs> so anyway, that, that, that that's allowed me to show off a bit. So that's why I insist on that one. But Thanks, thanks, Richard, for covering those because I know some of them cause cause a lot of heat online, and 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 if you, if you're in charge of it, you get flack. And thank you for people for commenting on that. So I think we should move on now to, as we said at the beginning, a sort of maybe finish off the episode with a, a sort of look back, look forwards bit. Um, obviously, 2021 was curtailed at the beginning by COVID, but we got competitions up and running. Um, and we, we've had a healthy number of new players to Meg this year. So I think perhaps if, if again, I can ask Graham to kick this bit off by his reflection of him and the other, I suppose the, his, his close friends in the Bun Shop guys who joined us on the Meg competition circuit this year. Does, does, does how, how they feel felt it goes? Did they enjoy it? Did they like the competitions, the themes? What could we do better? for new newer players on the competition circuit what do we do well what do we do badly you know it's uh you know what over to you graham thank you look i think you do most of it well it's a good game system i think it's a nice clean system of play um there's enough depth to explore um the lists really are i think a strong point there's so much so much variety of classification you could argue occasionally but having 
17 and a half way, different ways of classifying a unit that has a limited number of shooting options is questionable, but I like it. It's the chrome that Fog lacked and made Fog a, in the end, a boring game. Mega's got more chrome than a very chromey thing, and I, I like that. That's good. Uh, despite that, the points are well balanced, as you said 10 minutes ago, Nick. I think that's a really good job there. Um, maybe there's a bit too much freedom in picking the lists. Um, you can play an awful lot of tunes with the list. There's not many compulsory picks. Uh, I don't have a particular problem with that because, let's face it, the sources are fairly poor. But um, I don't know. Perhaps it's something you could look at longer term. Uh, the community, I think, is really good. I think it's it's you've got a lot of very enthusiastic players. It's competitive. You see different names in the top three of most competitions. Um, if I'm looking for something to be critical about. It will be the way the the card holding game works. That I'm going to keep. I'm going to pass. Then I'm going to throw away a black. Then I'm going to throw away a white. Then oh, I'm going to throw away a green. And uh, nope, now I'm going to throw away yellow. It's a bit artificial to get that last move. I appreciate we're trying to represent, you know, keeping the initiative and so on and so on. But it's um, it's sometimes it feels very gamey. But I'm okay with that because I'm a very gamey player when I get the hang of things. Um. The competitions, they sell out in no time flat, two or three days, don't they? Often just on the pre-warning on the Meg Skull Rollers WhatsApp group. Now, on the one hand, that's a sign of a really healthy community. You're very keen. But if you want to grow it, then I think it would be good if you had bigger venues and occasionally didn't quite fill them so that newer players who aren't going to sign up and get in in a day and a half flat get a chance to get a sniff that there's something going on, think about it, bring some friends along, and so on. So I suggest that might be something to look at. Get some venues that you're not quite sure you can fill, and okay, maybe it doesn't work once or twice, but it will be good to get new players in that way. The only other thing I was going to suggest is something that GK keeps, Graham Clarker keeps coming back to, and I think he's misunderstood by most ancient players 99% of the time, because we can't understand the depth of his ignorance. That's his words, not mine. Uh, <laughs> you will talk about Chorismary and Sassanids. Um, you said Amianus, and we all nodded. Um, you know, if you're coming to it from a World War II background or not being a million years old and knowing about thousands of years of history, it's all Greek, excuse the obvious pun. Um, <laughs> it would be really helpful, he keeps saying, to have on the wiki... Um, something that says this is what these troop types are when it says this long greek word it means a man with a pointy stick this long and not having having too much armor then here's a picture and here's some of the um suppliers and we have spurts of enthusiasm on the whatsapp group and people put something there but it's not really what gk's after and i wonder if perhaps at some stage we need to put a group of people Maybe one or two of the people here, GK, almost certainly Paul Cummins, and flesh out exactly what it would be good to have on the wiki and then see if we can find some people willing to do something that would be useful to Graham and therefore people we might tempt in from Warhammer or other dark reaches of the world uh, who don't know about Amianus and so on and see if we can build a resource that will be helpful to people who don't know what the hell ancient wargaming is, who don't know what a assassin it is um yeah that's it i think that's a really good idea because 
I think there's one thing that's been said about Meg as it's grown is it's it's pulled in quite a lot of people who aren't existing ancients, medieval war gamers. It's, it's essentially people have got into their rule sets and you don't get a lot of movement between rule sets unless a rule set has reached the end of its life for whatever reason. And then there's a change. Um, we, we're growing through other means. So I, I think that's got a lot of legs in terms of it being a good idea. And, you know, having, what other people think. Well, I, I certainly think it's a good idea. Having done uh, the troop notes on the, the lists, um, because the make lists do have troop notes on each of the lists, um, it is a lot of effort. Uh, um, one, one resource I do have, which actually I need to talk to Paul about, is I have done maps um, showing where each of the lists actually were located at his various historical dates. Um, the reason I've never been able to publish them is the, the actual size of the images. Um, but that may be something that I could could approach Paul about seeing if we could address. Because that, that's certainly another issue that I know people have. We talk about um, uh, Chorasmians, as you say, and but where the hell did the Chorasmians actually come from? Mm. And that sort of thing as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll mention one thing I'm actually planning for the 2023 list, sad to say, um, is actually to I've been looking at restructuring the notes sections so that the notes are actually with the troop types mm. rather than being listed at the end so that people don't miss some of the restrictions or um, some of the details. So um, that that's something I'm hoping uh, I can incorporate into the 2023 list. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but I think you know it's um, there's a, obviously. Thank you for the the bits where you say we're getting it right. <laughs> you know, because you know it has to be said that the the competition side of it is is organised by enthusiasts. You know, you, you get people like, like Will, who organises competi the competitions at Swords and Boards, Pete Entwistle and Jeff Pearson, the Ribble ones, Ray has been doing, Ray Duggins has been doing a lot, and of course Hammy's involved in a lot of these, anything that's run at Battlefield Hobbies, Hammy is part of facilitating that, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and not just as the owner, <laughs> you know, so he gets bums on seats, he, you know, he's, he's, He's got a certain amount of player input into that as well, so so it's good to know that those those things are being done. But I think the really useful to hear those, you know, we can, you know, that all of us in the community can take on those things about you saying about how we can make it better for, especially for newer people coming in, because um, we do have it, lots of people expressing interests from outside of <laughs> the old lags who've been playing since WRG. Fourth in the case of Hammy, fifth in the case of me, you know, in the in the 1970s, or oh, third for Hammy. So, yes, yeah, he's just, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a newcomer. I'm glad it wasn't second edition, judging by the... <laughs> second edition didn't exist. It was only printed right. for the Nationals, the same well. as first. The first published one was third. Yeah. Um, I've just, it was the... This, I know. Uh, the, um, video, Everything, I just yeah. saw. <laughs> it's the way you were indicating it on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
I, okay, I mean, oh, that, 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 so thank you very much, Gray, for that. Well, one thing that's cool. worth mentioning, I think, at this point, is that ah. Simon is in the process of organising a bunch of intro events. Um, the first of them is going to be at Battlefield Hobbies on the 8th of January. Um, that's already advertised on our website. Tickets are up and some have been sold. So there you go. How about that? Um, that's going to be introduction to Meg Pacto and also Divisions of Steel, the new World War II rules he's working on. Um, I believe he's intending running similar events at shops all through the country over the year. Um, but yeah, if uh, people are interested in learning and want to come somewhere in the middle of the country, 8th of January, Battlefield Hobbies will be the first of these events. I, I certainly intend to run a Pacto event um, later in the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It can only be a good thing, I think. So some variety, you know, getting again, it's it's all very easy for those of us who've got 20, 30 years collections to, to run a Maximus sized army. It's a big investment, um, especially if, you know, as some people will, they find they don't actually like it. If you if you bought 60 to 100 bases worth of troops, that's a big investment. But you can get in, get oh, in on the game on a much Leave your Libyans aside, Hammy, with stupid numbers of bases. Um, but, you know, so, so a much a much more manageable uh, project to get to up and running with Pacto. And, and just on that, I think we'll we I'm hoping to that Simon will be able to come on a, a podcast fairly soon to to elaborate on his plans for doing those um, introduction sessions um, for Meg and inevitably. Mm -hmm other games as well you know reg the renaissance version will be released at the start of next year okay uh, uh, mentally next year looking forward a bit of a what are we looking forward to guys you know in terms of you know hammy's mentioned the 8th of january for that um being run by simon you know, anything particular we're looking forward to any armies we're planning matt's already mentioned that he's he's, he's thinking of jumping off his horses so does this mean if your horsemen go in the woods, Matt, does this mean you're going to have like loose formation infantry in the open as your option now? No, no, I, I think my close formation infantry are going to have to go into the wood. I think that's the only way it works. Oh, right. So <laughs> it, it, it'll merely be a change of who goes in the wood. To be I like in the wood. <laughs> don't tempt me. Just don't tempt me. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it. Anyway, this is, anyway, so what are we looking forward to next year? Um, playing some games. Um, uh, what I have found is actually after each event I've played this year, uh, the last, certainly the last three events, I've looked at the lists I used in each of those events and thought, I can make that better. So all the armies that I've used have been tweaked. Um, so if I used them again, they would not be quite the same. And I think that the, uh, the new version is better in, in each case. So I want to try out the new version to see if it proves to be better. That's three armies I've got to use again. Um, <laughs> and then there's all the other ones I've not used. I want to, I want to try and finish my Thracians. I'm, I'm doing some Thracians, so I want to get them done. Pa painting the horse arches at the moment as we speak. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose we're all hoping to have a, a, like a full year's calendar allowed, but obviously that Ooh. could be beyond our, beyond our control <laughs> with uh, COVID still running around. Richard? I, I I have to confess that I'm uh, uh, having worked on the list changes. I haven't really <laughs> reflected on what I'm going to be doing next year uh, at the moment. I've uh, 
I've acquired some. Uh, my my main uh, true uh, army building process is actually acquiring secondhand figures and rebasing them, picking up uh, older star figures quite cheaply that way. Um, and so uh, I've, I've, I'm getting more. Um, uh, so this time I've got a proper Sassanid elephants that will start uh, appearing uh, hopefully at some opportunity. Graham? I don't know. Um, <laughs> probably I'll have a go at Hittites um, at Ice and Fire, probably. Um, then I might run my Dacians out again, a bit like Hammy. I've tweaked my Dacian list after um, after playing his horrible, 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 horrible army of um, <laughs> three types of troops that I couldn't cope with. Um, so I've given them a few more shooty things, see if that makes them any better, because I did enjoy playing them, running at things screaming, oh, it's an elephant, I'll charge it in the open, what could go wrong? <laughs> As it turned out, remarkably little. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's the old, you know, it, it, they're in small units and lots of white yeah. dice add up. <laughs> yes. So. Devastating charge. Let them charge. Now they're your problem. Uh, <laughs> after that, I don't really know. Um, as I say, at some stage you want to use more shooting cavalry. The Hittites are a toe in the water. And mm. I'll, uh, I'll probably go the opposite path to Matt um, and start using more horses rather than less. Though I'm not guaranteeing putting them all in woods. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. Ah, yeah. He's missing a, at least a minus two. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like yeah. the way you think, Bill Roger. <laughs> it's a yeah. Well, for, for for myself, you know, um, I'm I, I'm I'm really not. I like to go every else. I'm not, not quite sure. Um, I for, for for ice and fire. I'm thinking uh, the, the later Jew army, perhaps because basically I'm finishing painting up. That having found figures, I prefer it to the ones I had. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering if I am ever, ever going to be brave enough to run the Kitan Lao at a competition. Uh, I have to now. But well, a full competition. Yeah, it's definitely an army. Oh, I'll run it for two games. Four. It's it's. Time. It, it is, but you know, I know every time I mention it, Matt will go, "Go on, go on." <laughs> Um, but other than that, I don't, who knows? Um, but yeah, I was really just looking forward to you know a full year's calendar, I suppose. So, okay, I think we're probably at that point we've reached the natural end of this podcast. So once again, I'd just like to say many thanks to everybody who's taken part, Amy and Graham for joining us as guests. Uh, maybe we'll have you back. Maybe the punters will say replace the existing team. No. <laughs> Thanks, obviously, to Richard for going through the, the list stuff and his always contributions. Matt, as ever, just for the insanity of repeatedly deploying cavalry in woods. And, of course, the recording and editing that's now to be done. I suppose the, the last thing only goes to to wish everybody here and everybody listening to us, you know, a, a great Christmas and New Year. Um, hope, hope, hope Santa, or as my background has at the moment, Futurama's robot Santa, brings you what you deserve and uh, we'll leave it at that sort of vague and ambiguous statement um, and everybody has a great ha holiday time and we see each other early new year and our competitions are not held up by covid so again thank you very much see you all across the table sometime see you
See you. Merry Christmas. Merry yep. Christmas. Happy Christmas. Bar humbug and all that. <laughs>